everybody, I'm Beth Davis, and welcome to Teachable Tuesday. Every week we discover God's heart in His Word and conform our lives to His, conform our hearts to His. That's what we're about here on Teachable Tuesday. And for the next few months, we're going to be walking together, reading together the Gospel of John. And in God's perfect plan, we started the Gospel of John just in time to be reading John 6, during Holy Week. Now you might be thinking, why does that matter? Well, wait and see. You know what I mean? John 6, we were reading that, praying with that, uh, right as we celebrated Holy Thursday. But we'll get to those connections in just a moment. So let's pray, grab a Bible, or you know, make yourself at home, and I will read this gospel to you, read this scripture over you. And I wanna encourage you to just let the Lord speak, let the Holy Spirit, uh, say what he will to your heart. Highlight what he wants you to hear this, this morning or afternoon. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, um, you are the author of life. You are the author of this word. So God, would you write anew your word upon our hearts? Grant us the faith, Lord, to receive your word. Fresh faith, God, to take you at your word, to believe you, Jesus, when you speak. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. John chapter 6. <clears throat> After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias, a large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him away by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, got into a boat, and started across the lake to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. 
the lake became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the lake and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land towards which they were going. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the lake saw that there had only been one boat there. They also saw that Jesus had not got into the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must, what must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, what sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe in you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Then the Jews began to complain about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. 
Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching at the synagogue in Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe. And who was the one who would betray him? And he said, for this reason, I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, for he, though one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Amen. I want to give just a moment to let the word speak. Pay attention to that word or phrase, the verse, uh, that stirred up your heart, that stuck out to you. Thank you, Lord, that you have the words of eternal life. Amen. So as is our custom during this Gospel of John study, I'm going to share with you my one thing, my takeaway, the verse, the word, the phrase that really captured me that I spent the week praying with. Because remember, we're reading uh, the same chapter every single day for one week, and then we talk about it. 
here on Teachable Tuesday. So you've been reading John 6, maybe you haven't. Welcome if this is your first time. But I want you to read it every day because new things uh, are revealed to us every day. The longer we sit with scripture, the more deeply those seeds of God's word take root in our hearts. And, and I was thinking and, and praying with a particular scripture, with the scripture as a whole, but this one verse that really captured me. And it, it made me think about when I was a little girl and I used to sit in mass and I would watch the priest celebrate the holy sacrifice of the mass. I just called it going to church, you know, and I would watch this priest on the altar. And I remember, especially at the presentation of the gifts, what most Catholics think of as like halftime, right? This is when the basket passes. This is kind of a break in the action. I remember my mind naturally wandering to God, being lifted up to think about God in a very simple childlike way. I wondered what it would be like to be close to him. And those thoughts really carried me through the rest of Mass. That was a very early way of praying. I didn't even know I was praying. I just thought I was daydreaming about God and who God is and how I could be close to God. But I had no idea that God himself was on that altar. I had no idea that God was going to become uh, his flesh was going to become that bread. I had no idea that I was going to consume him. My formation was a little lacking, but my childlike faith really drew me to God on the altar. I was reminded of this quote that I read recently of Fulton Sheen and my little heart thinking about and being drawn to God. He said, every human heart in the world, without exception, is on a quest, is on the quest of God. Not everyone may be conscious of it, but they are conscious of their desire for happiness, which some, in ignorance, perversity, or weakness, identify with the tinsel and baubles of earth. It is as natural for the soul to want God as for the body to want food or drink. Can you relate to that, that search for happiness, which is a search for God? You may not even have the language for it. You may not have even connected that. But as you search for happiness, for fulfillment, really what you're looking for, what you're longing for is God. And that pursuit can take us on all kinds of different paths, right? You may be looking for happiness in affection, in affirmation or approval from others. You might be looking to other people to give you that ultimate source of happiness, of belonging. Maybe it's adventure, right? Maybe that's how you find your happiness. Just one more trip, something to look forward to, some view to take in, some mountain to climb and conquer. Maybe it's your appearance. You think, if I could just lose 10 pounds, right? If I could just get fit, tone up my arms a little bit, if, if I could look more like the people on my Instagram feed, right? Then I'll be happy. Then I could be at peace with myself. Maybe uh, you're looking for answers and that takes you in all kinds of, on all kinds of different journeys, right? You try all kinds of different paths, self-help or 
even new age. You're, you're looking to gurus or spiritual practices outside the church, away from the Catholic church, away from Christ to find that meaning, to find that fulfillment, enlightenment, to find that peace and happiness that can only be found in Christ. The thing is, friends, anything other than God will leave us unsatisfied. Not only unsatisfied, it's not only that we'll have this this gnawing hunger, it will leave us dissatisfied. It will mess up our taste buds. It, It will confuse our minds and our thoughts about what real happiness is because these other things, they masquerade as the promise, the fulfillment of our happiness, but they have no power to heal us. They have no power to save us. They have no power to satisfy us. That's because anything other than God will not satisfy. Only Jesus Christ, God became man, word became flesh, can satisfy that deep desire of your heart, the ultimate quest of your life, the happiness that you're looking for. It will never be enough. Nothing other than Christ will ever be enough. You and I, we have this hunger and thirst, which for me, in my experience at times, feels insatiable. Like I never get to the bottom of this longing. But it's a universal hunger and thirst, isn't it? We heard about it in John 4 a couple of weeks ago. Um, Jesus promises living water, right? This flowing water, this wellspring of life uh, flowing up within us. And what does the woman say? What does St. Fotina say? She says, sir, give me this water so that I may not have to come back here to keep drawing water. She wants to drink that water, the water that will satisfy. She wants to give up all substitutes. And now here we we hear similar language in John 6 when Jesus is offering this living bread. What do the people say? Sir, give us this bread always. We, We know, we understand, we might not have the language for it. You might have never heard before that there is a a living water that will satisfy, that there is a living bread that we can eat. You might not know that, but it's out there. He's here in the church waiting and wanting to satisfy that, that deep, that insatiable hunger and thirst that will never be satisfied outside of Jesus. Now, as we listen to this language in John 6, it's, it's easy to think, is this a metaphor, right? And, and lots of people who have studied scripture throughout history have wondered, have pondered, have spent their lives studying John 6. Why does Jesus say that food, this food, the true food, the living bread is his flesh? Why does he say that this drink, this true drink is his blood? Is it a metaphor, right? Just like Jesus says, I am the light of the world or I am the vine. Sure, I am the bread of life, but something different happens. It's like it goes from belief to reality, to this tangible reality. We feel that movement in John 6. So my verse where I want to zoom in is verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. 
We went from talking about belief, something spiritual, something supernatural, to something very tangible and real. True food, true uh, living bread is his flesh. Jesus doubles down on this language. When the Jews, they, they push back all those in attendance, they begin to, some translations say grumbled. And that word that's supposed to spark our memories, we're remembering the Israelites who wandered in the desert. And when God rained down manna on them to feed them, to feed them actual food in the form of this manna that, that fell over the grass every morning, and it melted away in the morning, and if they tried to store it up, it would spoil. That same conversation, Jesus is saying, no, that, that was one kind of bread. That was natural bread, but I'm giving you now supernatural bread, living bread. And that bread, he clarifies, just in case you're wondering if it's a metaphor, he clarifies, that bread is my flesh. That bread is my flesh. Now, you and I, as Catholic Christians, we understand that Jesus is talking about the gift of his body and his blood in the Eucharist. That you and I, we come and we eat this true food at the table of the Eucharist. We drink his blood at the table of the Eucharist at every single mass. He gives us himself. He answers this hunger and this thirst with himself in the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the answer to all of our longings, the answer to this insatiable hunger and thirst. The Eucharist is everything. That manna that the Jews, uh, the Israelites ate in the desert and, and were, were satisfied in the moment God provided for them. Ultimately, it melted away, it spoiled. But Jesus is now, that was only a foreshadowing. Jesus is now giving us that true food, that living bread, which is his flesh. Now remember the theme of the Gospel of John is belief. And so early on in John 6, in what we call the bread of life discourse, Jesus begins by framing uh, this teaching about the Eucharist in belief. But then it moves into tangible reality. And so what I want to propose to you today is to believe and let that lead to eating to eat and let that lead to believing. They work together, they're not contrary. So if you're a Catholic Christian, I wanna invite you to the table to come and to eat and be satisfied. Satisfied in, in your longing, your hunger for happiness, for fulfillment, for understanding, for answers, for the beauty that you've been chasing. You can find it all in Christ and not some idea of Christ. Okay, not Christ consciousness, these, these crazy ideas that are out here about who God might be and how we can be like him. If you wanna be like Jesus, eat his flesh and drink his blood. He's giving us life in the Eucharist. At every single holy mass, you can eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. So I wanna invite you to believe and to eat, to eat and believe. If you're a Catholic, I, I want to invite you this Easter season to come to Mass daily, to receive the Eucharist every day. What a gift that this living bread, the only thing that will satisfy, that will give us eternal life, not only happiness, not only joy, not only the beauty that we're looking and longing for, but eternal life 
that we can receive him every day. And that as we eat, as we consume the Eucharist, as we eat this heavenly bread, we become like him because it's flesh and we, we receive him in our flesh. We become one flesh with the God of the universe, with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. If you want to see your life change, start receiving Holy Communion regularly. Come to daily Mass. Commit to spending one hour before the Blessed Sacrament a week. You'll find that in this precious holy time, as you set aside time to grow in devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist, even if it's from a place of of wondering or, or wanting to believe, just come to him and watch your life change. John Paul II spoke these words to young people in in 2000 at World Youth Day. He says, it's Jesus, in fact, that you seek when you dream of happiness. He is waiting for you when nothing else you find satisfies you. He's the beauty to which you were so attracted. It is he who provokes you with that thirst for fullness that will not let you settle for compromise. It is he who urges you to shed the masks of a false life It is he who reads in your hearts your most genuine choices, the choices that others try to stifle. It is Jesus who stirs in you the desire to do something great with your lives, the will to follow an ideal, the refusal to allow yourselves to be grounded down by mediocrity, the courage to commit yourselves humbly and patiently to improving yourselves and society, making the world more human, and more fraternal. It is Jesus that you seek when you look for happiness. If you were attracted to any of those outcomes Pope St. John Paul II spoke of, come to Jesus in the Eucharist. Jesus in the flesh, body, blood, soul, and divinity is the fulfillment of all of our desire. You know, I had the immense joy this weekend celebrating the Holy Triduum to go to Easter Vigil Mass with a non-Catholic. I sat beside her at Easter Vigil just watching her uh, light up with, with joy, with awe, with wonder and hope. And as we were leaving, I, I invited her to come and eat at the table to become Catholic. And she asked me this question no one's ever asked me before. And I'm so grateful for it. but. I I maybe wish I would have thought about it sooner, so I want to give you the opportunity to think about this before someone asks you. She asked me, how has the Eucharist changed your life? How has the Eucharist changed your life? And honestly, I, I couldn't find the words, and that's not because I don't believe, that's not because uh, I'd never been asked before, it's because the Eucharist is everything to me. How do I, how do I sum up that in the Eucharist, Jesus saved my life. He healed me. He makes me new every single day. He forgives my sins. He dismantles me, dismantles all of these false images of myself, all these lies that I believe, and he makes me new because he makes me like him in a one flesh union with himself. 
The Eucharist has the power to change your life because it's Jesus in the flesh. So I want to invite you friends to come to the table. If you're not Catholic, to become Catholic, to join RCIA, to begin to journey toward the Eucharistic table because at that table every day is the fulfillment of all of your desires. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, we bless you. We love you. We praise you and thank you. Thank you for the gift of the Eucharist. Increase our faith, God, that we might believe.